Hello, it's 21st of October 2017 and this is episode 46 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So Kirsty, how has your week in Star Wars been? Uh, it's been good, pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's been a, a bit of a lull after the trailer, but um, we've had some news, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been reading a couple of the stories um, from the anthology book from a certain point of view mm-hmm. and really enjoying them. Oh, nice. Um, some that I like a lot more than others, but that's to be expected because it's 40 stories and there's got to be something for everyone. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I really like it. And I think I'm going to recommend it to some friends of mine who haven't really read Star Wars books before, just because they're just such like lovely little bite-sized elements of Star Wars. Yeah. And you could just like dip into it for one or two stories that particularly interest you. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's a really good like taster. Like they could almost do it as like a sample of like what the Star Wars world can offer you because there really is something in there for like every kind of taste and interest, which is really good. Um, yeah, for me, it has also been a pretty quiet Star Wars week. Um, my main form of Star Wars engagement this week has basically been continuing to devour that amazing trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, I can get a lot of mileage out of two and a half minutes, I've found out. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've been writing up my usual nonsense and analysis and stuff um which you can find on journal of the star wars if you're interested um and yeah besides that there's not been too much going on i I still need to finish from a certain point of view but i have read probably about the same number of stories you have kirsty yeah i think i'm gonna take my time with it and just maybe read one or two stories a day yeah um because there are other books i'm reading that i kind of want to focus on a bit more right now Mm. um oh yeah did you get the book of dust Yes, I'm reading that and I absolutely love it so far. I'm trying to read it quickly so that my husband can get to it because he wants to read it too. (laughs) Oh, Um, nice. But yeah, like it's so exciting to have that after 17 years from the Amber Spyglass. Mm. I can't believe it's been that long already, but yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Loving that so far. So yeah, I still need to buy that, but I really, really want to because I loved his dark materials when I was a teenager. That was Mm -hmm. probably my favourite book series, like, tied with Harry Potter. I was, like, equally obsessed with both of them. So, yeah, I really need to pick it up. Um, right, then just to move into the normal business, if you haven't done so already, please do leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And many thanks if you have already done so, so it really helps us out. And if you have a question for the podcast, please note that you can email it to scavengershoard at gmail.com. Right, then to move into the news section, which is obviously the main part of our podcast, um, we're just going to start out with like a bit of a continuation of the trailer discussion, because something as momentous as this in Star Wars news leaves a legacy, shall we say. And there's always lots of debate and discussion going on about it in the aftermath. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about it in those terms. So, yeah, like, how do you feel, Kirsty, about how it's been covered and the kinds of conversations you're seeing about the trailer? Like, have you seen anything new that's, like, sparked your interest or made you think, oh, yeah, I didn't notice that when I was watching or anything like that? Um, I don't know how much in the actual trailer beyond what we were talking about in our own podcast, but... um. I've I've been reading a lot of articles from places like The Guardian where they're kind of focused on 
just speculating as to what things might mean. And mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of people kind of assuming that this means that Luke's on the dark side now. Yeah. Which I think is going a bit too far. I get why people think it, and, and it's obviously supposed to make you question it a little bit, but um, I think Luke is like an antagonist to Ray in terms of being an obstacle for her. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be a villain. Yeah. I think he might be like a quasi-villain, but only from a certain point of view. So I don't think he's like the big bad orchestrating all the awful things that have happened since... No, no, he's Snoke. Rachel, (laughs) Luke Luke is Snoke. It's so obvious. Wake up, wake up. (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. (laughs) Have you ever seen them in the same room together? I don't think so. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Luke is totally Snoke. Well, he's like the man behind the curtain. He's like puppeteering Snoke, <laughs> like Wizard of Oz style. Um, actually, yeah. did you know that before The Force Awakens came out, one of the most popular theories was that Luke was Kylo Ren? Yes, I did. I didn't at the time because I wasn't following fan theories, but I do think that's pretty funny in hindsight. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I also love that people could look at Kylo Ren, like who clearly has like the physique and build of a young man, like, and then look at Mark Hamill, who I love Mark. I don't mean to diminish him at all, but he is on the short side and he clearly has the build of an older man, you know? And it's like, mm. I don't understand. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. There's a theory for everything. <laughs> like, that's it's just true. How Star Wars goes. And I think I've learned that people will try to make anything about like Luke Skywalker. It doesn't matter how little it has to do with him. It will still somehow be about Luke. Which yeah, is I mean, funny. Kylo turned out to be a lot to do with Luke, but just not in the way people maybe assumed. Not in the sense that he was the same person. <laughs> yeah, but he's his prodigy, you know. So. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of Luke as this like antagonist figure, I think that he's gonna maybe be like an antagonist, but only from like a certain point of view. So it's like in those IMAX mm. posters. You know, in the IMAX posters, there's one for the dark side and one for the light side. And the person in the villain pose, as in the person like looming in the background, in both of them is Luke. And in mm. the dark side one, he looks, I guess, almost like a traditional Sith. So he has the hood and he's got all these shadows over his face and he looks very menacing. But my take on that is it's kind of symbolic of the fact that Luke Skywalker is really the villain of Kylo Ren's story. So naturally he'd be in that position on the poster that is centered around that character in that position because he has antagonized Kylo Ren for a long, long time. That's so interesting because, yeah, if we're thinking about what like Ryan's been saying about Kylo and Rey as, you know, they're both protagonists. Mm. Um, yeah, from Kylo's perspective, Luke is the villain. Yeah. Hmm. Because, like, really, you'd think that Snoke would be Kylo's villain, but that's only because Kylo maybe hasn't realised that yet. Yeah. No, I'd imagine that for Kylo, Snoke is his saviour. Like, that's kind of what he needs to believe. He needs to believe that Snoke is the, like, guiding prophet who's leading him away from the false teachings of the wicked Luke Skywalker. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I've discussed most of what I saw in the trailer. I can't remember if there's anything that's come out since then. Um, I guess just like kind of accepting that everything that we're seeing is what they want us to see. And there's probably so much else in the story that we don't have yet. Oh, sure. Because we feel like we've give, been given a lot in terms of like setting up the premise, but there's going to be so many twists and turns. There might be planets that we've not even 
seen yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just like in terms of how the story is going to end, I don't think any of us can predict it at this point. Yeah, and that's what I love because it doesn't matter like what camp you're from, whether you're for like a particular parentage outcome or a particular ship or anything like that. All of that is irrelevant because I think the trailer has shown us like that we're in the equivalent position of Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> you know, I feel like that right yeah. now about The Last Jedi. And that's actually quite a fun place to be in because, yeah, we shouldn't know anything. <laughs> we're not meant to know anything. So this is how it should be. Exactly. Like, I know we've been following the spoilers pretty intently, but I'm also glad that nothing huge came out. Um, and it might even be that everything we have is stuff that Disney were okay with us knowing anyway. Yeah. So increasingly looking that way because I think almost everything that leaked a while ago has at least in some way come out in the official material like Mm. apart from certain things involving Act 2 which I won't go into for obvious reasons but yeah I feel like there's very little we know about the film that has some through official sources which kind of makes the structure of the show that I have feel redundant because I have like a segment labeled non-spoiler news and I should probably just delete non-spoiler at this point because it's not like <laughs> there is spoiler news so yeah I would guess that everything we find out between now and the release of the movie is going to be all sanctioned and official because mm-hmm. um, if anyone's sitting on major spoilers I feel like they would have brought them out by now because we're getting really down to the wire so yeah exactly and they lose value as time goes by essentially uh-huh um have you seen any particularly interesting like think pieces or analysis or any, or anything like that? Um, I guess that was that Forbes one that was pretty cool. What was that about? I'm not sure I read that. Oh, it was just kind of along the lines of what we've been thinking that it kind of points in the direction of Ray and Kylo teaming up. Oh, yes, yes, um, that one. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've read that one. I yeah. don't have any like quotes to hand or anything, but um it's just encouraging to get people thinking along those lines. Yeah. And people, you know, it's different seeing it in somewhere like that, like Forbes and The Guardian and even GQ. Like that stuff's very different from fan circles or even like film industry uh, places like Screen Rant mm. kind of talking about stuff. Because I'm guessing that the people writing them haven't been keeping up with every fan theory and going onto forums and whatever. Yeah. So they're just working on what the trailer presented, like wow, these are things that we haven't previously considered, but I guess if we go back and watch The Force Awakens, you can see the seeds there. So, yeah, it's cool. It is really cool. I think it's opening people's eyes to something that you could say has almost been hidden in plain sight, but I think it's leading to more interesting conversations, and that's only a good thing, basically. Yeah, and I that has to be what Lucasfilm wanted, right? Because like, as excited as we were all to get the teaser, Apart from the whole the Jedi need to end thing, I don't think it like dropped any shocking truths or, you know, it was just kind of like what people expected to see after the end of The Force Awakens. Like, oh, yeah, you'd get Luke and Rey on the island and Finn like still having his treatment and stuff like that and Poe running away from explosions. There was nothing in there that was like, oh, my gosh, can't believe that, you know. Oh, totally. There were no big like revelatory moments in the teaser. In retrospect, I can't help but think that that teaser really is kind of lame. So I know it underwhelmed a lot of people at the time. And I think at the time, I was one of the people who were like, oh, no, it's great. It's Star Wars. I love it. But 
looking back, it really is so insubstantial. And now I think I've seen what they can do with trailers. Like when they actually delve more into the themes and the characters and the dynamics, it's so much more exciting to get a trailer like this. That's always going to be the case because obviously a trailer is very different from a teaser because a teaser is explicitly meant to tease. So mm. I feel like the poster that they gave us at Celebration told us more about the story. Oh, yeah. Of the two things that came out from Star Wars Celebration about The Last Jedi, or at least the two big things, that poster is definitely the thing that's going to remain in the memory, I think. So mm. I love that poster. It's so iconic. Um, and I love especially that it's going to be used as the cover for the novelization. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of that and thinking, oh, it was. It must just be like the cover, not final kind of thing, right? Mm. But they obviously have seen how much it resonates with people and it it must speak to the themes. It can't just be like a misdirection thing or just something that they chose at random. Yeah. Um, and we know that Ryan and Kathleen Kennedy chose it together. So yeah. Yeah. Bodes well for the story in my opinion. It totally does. It's a thing of beauty. Um, right. Then to move on, the next thing we can talk about is the Han Solo movie. Um, and basically we don't really talk about this so much but i felt we should this time because there's been two significant pieces of news the first is that it's officially titled solo colon a star wars story and the second big piece of news is that it has wrapped filming so it is done at last obviously they still need to do post-production and editing and whatever but they have the footage they need technically speaking um so yeah this film has been quite the saga in its own right, in terms of it being a saga of production hell. Um, but yeah, where are you now with your feelings about this film, Kirsty? Are you still like in the state of aggressive ambivalence? Um, I don't really know how to feel about it, because we don't have anything. Yeah. Um, and that's understandable, given that they just wrapped production, like you say. So I'm just kind of reserving judgment and waiting to see like you know when whenever we get that first teaser like the the title i don't have a problem with i know people have been like oh that's awful and i'm just like meh you know i, I think yeah. it does the job and i think it's probably something that the general audience needs just to be clear about you know who it is that the film focuses on yeah totally. um so you know if they'd gone for anything a bit more flowery it might have been harder for people to grasp what it was mm. Because already you're going to get people like, oh, I thought Han Solo died, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And it's probably just easy to go for something simple. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, I kind of wish we'd got something that would give us a hint as to what the story is going to be about. Mm. But I also understand why they wouldn't do that, because they're very secretive. So Yeah, totally. That's not their modus operandi, kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, the title's very bland, but... It doesn't really change my anticipation for the film one way or another. Like, mm. I wasn't anticipating it all that much to begin with, and I don't anticipate it any more or less after the title. Um, so it's neither good nor bad, as far as I'm concerned. It's just, yeah, it is. Um, I think for me it's more interesting that it's wrapped now, because I don't have the dates in front of me, but I think these reshoots have been going on for three or four months so that yeah i think they've ended up making a new movie same basically i know at first they were like oh we just got what was it like eight weeks of sh the production left or whatever it was but mm. no there was gonna like to, to be shooting it this long i i think it means that most of what we see like probably about 
at least 80% of the movie will probably be new stuff. Yeah. Which is probably a good thing because, you know, whatever they had, it wasn't working. So. Yeah. I think it means it will be cohesive, which is yeah. good. And I would say that at this stage, it's almost certain that it's going to be released as a Ron Howard film. And I'm not even sure what credit, if any, Lord and Miller would get at this stage. It's all very awkward. I'm pretty sure that's up to like the Directors Guild to decide. Mm. So we just don't know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like it's all very awkward in terms of the behind the scenes production woe. Um, like even more awkward, perhaps, is that there was a Michael Giacchino concert in London yesterday, and present were J.J. Abrams and Colin Trevorrow. Oh, and Gareth Edwards, I think. So mm-hmm. there's kind of like a trinity of Stars directors there. But in particular with Trevor and Abrams, you have a booted Stars director and the man who's replaced him. <laughs> so it's like, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea what their professional relationship is. But I, it might be like more understandable since it's JJ because it's not just like some random new person it's the guy who started the trilogy oh yeah like and to be honest I doubt Trevorrow would like bear him hard feelings or anything if he had hard feelings towards anyone in that situation it would presumably be Lucasfilm like Kathleen Kennedy Mm. like I doubt it would be JJ um and yeah, hopefully it's all amicable and that they came to that conclusion together and realised it wasn't working and parted ways on good terms, but you never know with these things. Um, gosh, isn't that awful? I meant to be talking about the Han Solo movie, but I just go back to episode nine. I mean, I guess it all feeds in because it's all part of like the, the rumour mill about how things work at Lucasfilm. Yeah, exactly. It does all build up to a single narrative. Yeah. I mean, they just, they don't give us an alternative narrative. That's the problem. I think that's why the gossip festers, because they don't tell you enough about what really happens. So people are free to just look at it and think like, well, this doesn't look good, you know? Mm. So I, I I believe that Kathleen Kennedy knows what she's doing. Mm. Like her resume speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, a lot of people seem to talk about her as if she's this newcomer who doesn't really know what she's doing. And it's like she's been in the movie industry for decades. She's produced so much. Yeah. And The Force Awakens was one of the most successful movies of all time. So, yeah, yeah I trust her. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't need to be patronized. She definitely knows what she's doing. Um, yeah, with the Han Solo movie, I found the whole technique they've been using with Ron Howard plastering like daily updates all over social media, like in particular on Twitter. I've, I don't know, I guess it just, I, the cynic in me doesn't like it because to me it's such a blatant like distraction technique. It's like, oh, the movie's undergoing substantial reshoots, but don't worry about that. Look at all this cute, funny, nice Star Wars stuff that you recognise. Yay! You know, like... It's kind of like trying to dangle the pretty sparkly stuff in our faces that we don't see the firefighting that's going on behind. That's natural because it is just mm. a total PR thing. But yeah, like that's yeah. why I haven't been following those tweets and we haven't really been discussing them, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I don't think I've seen them all. And it's not the kind of thing that I'm particularly interested in anyway. Yeah. Um, but I know it's worked for other people. And, and I've seen people say, look, I know this stuff is blatant PR, but it's made me more interested in the movie. And I think that's great, you know? Um, yeah. because I want the film to be successful and if there are people out there who were like a little bit worried about it and then those photos have made them feel better that's good so yeah, yeah it's it's not for me and it's clearly not for you but 
whatever. You're so <laughs> whatever diplomatic, Kirsty. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just don't care about them because I'll, I'll just kind of focus on whatever we get from official sources. Like, I haven't even been following the spoilers that come out because um, yeah. it's just not something I'm overly invested in. I love Han as a character, but almost for that reason, I'm kind of apprehensive to see what they do with him. Yeah. Um, I hope that it's great, and I will definitely go and see the movie and focus on the official promotion that we get, but I'm just not invested enough to go and look at that stuff. Yeah. I think it can easily make you like protective when you care about the character so much. It's like, oh, please don't screw him up. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> We'll see. I like I liked Old Aaron Reich in um was it Hail Caesar? Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought he was good in that. I haven't seen him in anything else. Um, but I'm just interested to see how someone else could play Han because Harrison Ford is so associated with him. Yeah. Um But yeah, if they pull it off, that'll be good. Exactly. And we will see. Um Right, then the next story is that we have some quotes from Andy Serkis about Snoke and about the trailer for The Last Jedi. So I'll just read out the quotes and then we can move on to discussion about them. So he said this to Vanity Fair. The approach to Snoke was very much that this is someone who's incredibly damaged. There's a rage and hatred that comes out of who he is and why he is. That character was a dark one to climb inside. Then again, he speaks to Metro, makes similar comments, but they're kind of distinct enough to be worth talking about. Again, I don't want to say too much at this point. I'm so bored of saying that. <laughs> but he is a very dark, strangely damaged and vulnerable, but therefore more dangerous, as a result, character. And you get to see him in the flesh rather than a hologram. And then finally, he said this about the trailer to IGN. I thought the trailer was spectacular and very intense. It absolutely reflects the tone and the feel of the movie. I do think this movie is going to really surprise people with its plotline and story and its tension in it. Yeah. And these quotes, they remind me of why I really like Andy Serkis. He can't say much, but what he does say is still interesting, which mm -hmm. I like. Um, yeah, this to me is intriguing. So it kind of suggests to me we are going to get some kind of psychology to Snoke, which you really don't get at all in The Force Awakens. He's just hologram dude sat there giving orders out there's nothing deeper to him than that so yeah i'm curious at the prospect of potentially understanding why he has all this rage and hatred inside him yeah and that makes sense because we need to understand more about him but i think ryan has been clear in the past when he said you'll get what you need for that moment in the story mm -hmm. um so he's not gonna make the last jedi snoke's origin story or anything we're not <laughs> gonna get his biography yes uh, but we don't need it Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll get whatever he needs to relate to Luke and Kylo and whatever's been happening. Um, and obviously he's going to interact with Rey. Now we've seen that in the trailer. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I I think we've heard before that he's vulnerable, which I think is a really interesting choice of word. Yeah, that is interesting. And it makes a lot of sense based on what we've already seen, because he does seem so frail. Like, he looks like an elderly person in his rocker, almost. <laughs> yeah, and he's so defensive when it comes to talking about Luke mm. like he's very intent that the Jedi have to be wiped out and that's just like he seems to be his primary focus like oh you know if the Jedi return that's it for us yeah um, so it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play into the story definitely in terms of what we find out about Snoke I think we're going to find out like about his motivations only in so far that they tie into like say Kylo for example it's like, what is it about this person that led him to target this boy? 
Mm. like that kind of thing because then that actually does create a rhyme and reason to it because there's something a bit empty about all of it if he just wants to turn Ben bad and you don't understand why he wants that so yeah I'm intrigued by the prospect of getting that alluded to but like you said it's obviously not going to be a huge focus if it's covered I'd expect it to be covered like in a line or something like that you know yeah but whatever it is it's what Ryan's deemed is enough for us to go on Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure whatever it is we'll spin more theories but that's almost the point like you know fandom takes what canon gives us and runs with it definitely Um, it's okay if people have different ideas about what that is or people like even when we get the story people will have very different reactions and interpretations to it so yeah exactly um oh and just quickly I really like what he said about the trailer particularly because of it absolutely reflects the tone in the fill of the movie because I'm so sick and tired of this whole misdirection line. I absolutely think there is an element of misdirection to it, but like at the same time, I don't think the trailer is out to like lie to us about what the movie is. It it should be about preparing people for what's in store and like saying, "Oh, you think this looks exciting? Come to the cinema and then get the full story." Like, so right. It can't be completely misleading because otherwise it's false advertising. And yeah, it's good to see a quote like this because it says. Yes, the trailer actually is quite accurate in that it gives you the right sense for the film. Yeah, I know we talked about this probably last week. But I feel like the misdirection stuff is just kind of missing the forest for the trees. Mm. Um, because yes, you can say those scenes are not from the same part of the movie. That that's not really the point. Mm. It's it's about setting up themes and questions. Exactly. And how the characters relate to each other, and as he's saying, that's kind of what you'll get in the movie in some form. So yeah, it won't be the exact same, but when whenever was that the point? Like it's just kind of getting you to draw links between the characters and wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. No, definitely. But he's still saying that people are going to be surprised. Mm. Because again, like you get that line from Luke, like this is not going to go the way you think. I think there's it's meta on some form, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Addressing the audience because we show were showed in the trailer was unexpected for some people mm-hmm. um so it's just like hey don't like you know examine your own pre preconceptions of what the story is going to be like maybe go back and watch the force awakens and try to look at it in new light yeah now we have the trailer i think they're going to be there are going to be multiple levels of surprise essentially to what we get which is exciting mm-hmm. um right then the next story is that we have some new styles books and comics and what I'll probably do is I'll probably just run through them quickly one by one so then we can have a quick chat about each of them um, in their own discrete sections. Yeah, so the first book I'd like to talk about is The Forced Off Awaken, which is The Force Awakens rendered in Shakespearean verse. Um, and I believe we've both read this, Kirsty? Yep. Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, this is the first one of these kinds of books I've read for Star Wars, but I've really enjoyed it and I think I'm going to buy the other ones now. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. Like, I sped through it so fast. Obviously, it helps that it's a play, because plays, they're always very quick reads. Um, but, yeah, it was just so, so entertaining. And, obviously, the joy of Shakespeare is you can dig so much into the psychology of the characters for those, like, soliloquies and monologues and whatever. And, yeah, the author of this book, he really runs with that, and he clearly relishes it. And mm-hmm. it's so nice, because... It's just so much fun to read. And yeah, it's lovely. 
Yeah, you get like soliloquies from the Hapabor. <laughs> Yes. Or, um, you know, the troopers who nope away from Kylo when he's destroying <laughs> equipment after Ray escapes. Yes. They have this little exchange where it's kind of meta with the whole, you know, The Force Awakens is just a New Hope reboot. It's like, <laughs> oh, they're getting confused between what happened then and what's happening now. And it's like, oh, no, that was totally different and blah, blah. It's yeah. pretty amazing. So, it's so yeah, funny. I really it. Yeah. No, it was really great. It was, it was delightful, I would say. It's not canon. Because obviously, if it were, then there would be various very confusing scenarios <laughs> going on. There were some really emotionally heavy moments as well, like Leia talking about Ben. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, her grief was really touching. Yeah, I found those the strongest parts of it. Like, I think in terms of just the quality of the writing. So, I think that really intense emotional stuff it was just so well done. Um, and yeah, I was like, I want to see this performed on a stage. It would be amazing. <laughs> like, give it to me. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. And then from a certain point of view is the next book. And that is an anthology of 40 short stories to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. And it essentially takes a bunch of like obscure side characters from A New Hope and every story is from a distinct point of view, as the title suggests. Um, I don't think either of us have finished this, but we've read like the first five to ten stories, something like that. Yeah, I just finished the ninth one about Baru this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit further ahead. I'm reading the stories right now that are from the point of view of the people in the cantina bar on Mars Eisley. Um, All right, cool. And yeah, I really enjoyed it so far. I, I think you said to me in the pre-show, Kirsty, that there's stronger parts than others. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true. Some of the stories, I was a bit like, ah, come on. <laughs> they were yeah, there's, you know, tedious. some of them just aren't for me. Or like, you know, when you're watching Star Wars, some of the, the tiny characters are going to appeal to you more than others. Absolutely. I think a lot of it stems from like who you, who kind of stood out to you when you were first watching it as a kid, maybe. Yeah. Because um, I really enjoyed the red one, which is about the little droid who doesn't get to go home with Luke because R2 yes. doesn't said. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think, love that story. I think that's my favourite of all the stories so far, to be honest. Like, that was actually really, like, touching. And I was so engaged. I really wanted to find out what happened to that little droid. And in yeah. the end, I was so happy that he got a happy ending. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. and that's... That's always been one of the moments that I love from A New Hope, even though it's just this tiny little seemingly inconsequential thing. But the beauty of this anthology is it it shows it kind of similar to Forces of Destiny, I think, that like these little things can play into the larger making the galaxy a better place. Yeah. And it's just so adorable, his interactions with R2. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I have to do this. This is so important. <laughs> it's really good. Um, have you got to this story with Qui-Gon talking to Obi-Wan? Yes. That was yeah. another one of my favourites. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't know that I had needed Qui-Gon apologising to Obi-Wan until now. <laughs> because, okay, I, I like Qui-Gon, mm. but he's kind of annoying in some ways. And I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. He presumed I, a lot. I know that he's a very beloved character, so I have to be careful um, and I'm not coming at this in like a prequel bashing way, but there's elements to him in the Phantom Menace where I feel like he's mansplaining to Padme a lot. Yeah. And that he puts a lot of expectation and pressure on Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan was, he was young at the time. And then it was like, oh, promise me, you, you know, you have to train Anakin. It's like, 
look what that does to Obi-Wan's life. Look at what it does to the galaxy, you know? Yeah. And then Obi-Wan's... Yeah, he's bearing that guilt for the rest of his life as well. So, yeah. Yeah. But I I enjoyed the story. Like, I, you know, I enjoy all of Claudia Gray's Star Wars work. But, um, yeah. So, I have mixed feelings on Qui-Gon as a character. Yeah. Were there any particular stories that you felt were less good or that engaged you less? Just some of the stuff about, like, the Jawas and it's just yeah. not stuff that I'm truly interested in. But, I, you know, I read them and they're fine and I hope that other people enjoy them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just finished the Aunt Beru one um, before we started recording and mm-hmm. it was super short, so I kind of just whipped through it. But um, I really love that one because... Yeah. I just like that this is kind of giving more of a voice to the overlooked female characters in the original trilogy because apart from that, it really is kind of just Leia, mm. like, you know, Mon Mothma, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it just really hit home to me that she loved Luke so much yeah, and just wanted him to be happy. But I really appreciated this bittersweet element it had where she had her own dreams that didn't really come to pass as well. Like, um, we've talked before about how Star Wars in the past has kind of overlooked these mother and child relationships. And I feel like they're doing a lot to address that now with mm. things like this and Leia princess of Alderaan. And I just really appreciate that. Yeah, no, totally. I remember when I read the story about Baru at first, it read a bit strangely to me, but then I realized it read strangely because that's a character who I really hadn't thought of as having any kind of voice because mm. she maybe has like two or three lines in the film. And she's almost like a bit of a nothing character you know she's just there to serve blue milk and then be killed so actually reading about her as this like person with a personality and like you say hopes and dreams and desires that was a bit like jarring almost and it Mm. took me a while to like reconcile the two things but like upon reflection I appreciated it more I think um for me like I'm currently struggling slightly because I'm finding the stories with the cantina denizens a bit of a slog to get through but it's like what you've said Kirsty, where the stories that tend to appeal to you are the ones where they like catch your imagination and that they like go into something that you're interested in but you've never really seen explored before so Mm -hmm. like the whole thing that little red droid and i quite and i also quite liked the one where there was the imperial officer who was teaching the other imperial to like alter the records because i loved that that bureaucracy it reminded me of like brazil or something like that yeah it kind of made me feel like it was in the kind of vein of krennic as well because he has that middle manager feel to him Mm. it's just kind of funny to get these insights into empire culture because it's what's missing from the movies obviously they have to go for this like big you know, the most dramatic things. But in reality, it's this huge political organization that they have to have people doing this boring work. Yeah. And they have to have ways in which people can work the system. Exactly. Yeah, the paperwork has to get done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's a good book that I'd recommend. And like you said, that you'd recommend it to really quite casual Star Wars viewers, wouldn't you, Kirsty? Yeah, so my mother-in-law is a huge Star Wars fan, and particularly for the original trilogy. Um, And she's never read one of the canon books mm-hmm. i think she might have read some of the eu a really long time ago but i think i'm going to get her this for christmas because it is focused on the original trilogy and it's kind of like all these cute little anecdotes about those minor characters so yeah no i think it would really appeal like and it would definitely make a great gift so awesome um 
Right, then the next thing we just briefly want to touch upon is the Phasma comic, which was like a short mini-series. I think there were only four issues, but that has now wrapped up. Um, And yeah, as far as I'm aware, the story which was about Phasma basically hunting down this person who discovered that she had lowered the shields on Starkiller Base, the story arc of the comics ends with Phasma killing that person and killing anyone else who could implicate her or knew about her quest to kill that person and then she goes back to Hux and is all like sweetness and light and yes I followed all the proper protocols here I am la 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 and like Hux is none the wiser and made to look a bit oblivious (laughs) but yeah it basically continues the themes from the Phasma novel which is that Phasma is utterly ruthless and will do anything to maintain her standing in whatever her position of the moment is. Um, yeah. Um, do you have any interest in this comic series, Kirsty? Or is it more just like, oh yeah, that's cool to know it's done and know what happened? Yeah, I've seen glimpses of it, um, but I'm not interested in reading the whole thing to myself because I get the gist of what the story is. Yeah. Um, and I just think a lot of the Phasma stuff, I mean, you know, I read the novel and enjoyed it. We've talked about it. Um, but a lot of it kind of just seems like, oh, we forgot to give this character a motivation or a personality. We have to go back and fill that in. Whoops. And it's, it's stuff that 99% of Star Wars fans won't ever know about. Yeah. So they presumably that this is going to feed into what they show us in The Last Jedi, but I'm just interested to see how they bridge that gap. Yeah. Um, and you were saying you think a lot of it's going to be down to what Finn says to her when they get, conf- you know, when they encounter each other again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's just like, oh, it's all well and good. Um, I'm just, I, I'll see what they do with her in The Last Jedi because that's kind of where it counts. Yeah, exactly. Like all of this stuff, like the comics and the books, is all just extraneous, essentially, when you're ruthless about it. Like it only really factors in if you're like a hardcore, hardcore fan. Like anyone with a like less than hardcore interest in Star Wars is not going to be aware of this stuff. Um, yeah. Um, I, and I haven't read much of the comics in general, but um, yeah, I mean, I like a lot of the artwork. Like, I feel like Phasma is a character who works pretty well for that medium. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how this stuff informs the movie. Exactly. It might become more interesting in retrospect, basically, depending on how much that characterization carries through to the film. Yeah. I, there's part of me that like thinks it's kind of a cop-out that this stuff between her and Hooks has been almost resolved with the comic rather than the movie, because I was kind of hoping that Hooks would know and it would kind of drive a wedge between them. Mm. But the fact that... He, unless it comes out that he is, like, pretending to her that he believes her but doesn't. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's just like, oh, that's how Phasma's going to get away with it, and then she's just kept alive for the, the next movie, and Snoke and Hooks have no consequences for her. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't think those characters, as in Hux and Snoke, are going to be given that much screen time to have those sorts of subplots. <laughs> right. So it just can't, kind of seems like filling a plot hole, really. Yeah. Which I think is exactly what it is, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah. Then the next thing to discuss is the Poe comic, um, which is an ongoing series that's been running for a while. And I'm not actually sure what the current story arc is. Um, and I just wanted to discuss this because there's an interesting page where Law Santeca makes an appearance. And basically it looks like he's been hunting around for false artifacts, like you do. Um, and he essentially discovers this like weird shiny orb thing. 
And then the dialogue associated with that is this. Just look at it. Crafted using both the dark and light sides of the force. Clearly designed to be operated by both at once. I can only imagine its purpose. I wonder. Um, And yeah, this is very interesting to me because we know they're trying to create a more unified canon. And then in all the trailers for The Last Jedi, particularly the teaser, there's all this emphasis on the light, the dark, the balance. And like this idea of integration of the light and dark, particularly like as represented by Rey and Kylo, respectively. Um, and yeah, just when I see this kind of stuff, it just gets my spider senses tingling. And I kind of wonder if there will be a similar concept in the film, The Last Jedi. Like, will there be a force artifact that both Rey and Kylo need to use at the same time in order to activate? Something like that. It seems very fanficy, but when I see stuff like this, I can't help but think it's a possibility. Yeah, I'd seen speculation about this for some time, even before the comic came out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's been a popular thing in fanfic. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I can imagine some more traditionalist fans having a problem with this concept of the force because the dark side has always been presented as this corruption of the force, Mm -hmm. but they're clearly trying to evolve it and they kind of have to do that um, to keep things interesting. So I wouldn't say it's a retcon, but it's just kind of reflective of what current trends are in storytelling that um, this acknowledgement that yes, there's a dark side to everyone and it doesn't have to be destructive as long as it's balanced. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like if you can somehow combine the two, and if they can work together to produce something, then maybe that's an interesting story angle. That's extremely well put. Definitely better than my incoherent mind could manage at this time in the evening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Lord. Yeah, like uh, like you say, all all of this is canon, um, but it just kind of remains to be seen as to how much of the extraneous stuff will have an impact on the movie it might just in like a very tenuous thematical way yeah thematical a word thematic (laughs) Um, so yeah i guess we'll see but it's encouraging and i i do think it's interesting that it's coming from like law santeca discovering this stuff because at the beginning of the force awakens he's the one who's talking about you know without the jedi there can be no balance yeah so it kind of comes full circle definitely and um he he also speaks specifically to Kylo about um First Order rose from the dark side, you did not. Like that also implies this very heavy interest in the duality of the force and all oh, which side of the force are you aligned with, what is at the core of your being. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool that they're giving that character these kinds of missions and these kinds of hobbies, if you will. So hobbies, I make it sound like he does this as like his form of cross-stitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because don't we know that he and Luke were kind of working to find artifacts like this and Jedi lore and stuff like that? I know that Luke was certainly doing those things. I'm not sure to what extent he did them with Law Santeca, though I know he and Law Santeca collaborated Oh, that's I'm what I mean. Sure. I, obviously, we don't know the extent, and I don't know if Law Santeca was someone who was traveling with him when Ben was there, but it just seemed to imply at the beginning of The Force Awakens that they had known each other because Kylo says, look how old you've become. So he's seen him at least once or twice in his past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He clearly remembers him. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's really cool. It's very intriguing. And 
it actually gives me a passing interest in the Poe comic, which I haven't read before. So maybe I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, little things come up. Um, I probably won't ever read it, but I see panels on Tumblr and that's kind of enough to like get the, the most interesting elements anyway. So. Yeah. So I remember there being a really cool like page from it where it was Poe talking to Leia and it was yeah. really sad. So it was clearly um, writ- written with like Carrie Fisher's passing in mind. So it's mm-hmm. very much about passing on that legacy. Oh, also we should mention that it would have been Carrie's 61st birthday today. Yeah. So that's is both happy and sad kind of in that way it's like yeah i hope that you know this day every year will become a celebration of her life for star wars fans oh definitely she gave, yeah she gave us so much so. totally and you still see these amazing stories coming out about her like that story where like one of her friends had like been sexually assaulted producer and she sent the guy like a cow's tongue in a box basically for fret telling him never ever to touch any a woman again and when you see stuff like that it reminds you of what an amazing kick-ass Carrie Fisher was yeah that takes a lot of bravery it really yeah. really does and it shows she had no f's to give basically which i hugely respect um right then the next story is that Benicio del Toro's character DJ is getting a one-shot comic in January and then we have this little press release about it. When Star Wars The Last Jedi takes theatres in force, get it, this December, Star Wars fans will get a peek into some new dark corners of the galaxy far away. And out of one of those corners scuttles DJ, the mysterious character played by Benicio del Toro. Who is this mystery man? And what put him in the path of our resistance heroes? Join Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. <laughs> what an amazing <laughs> pair of names! That's incredible! Wow! You could not make that up. That's amazing. <laughs> and Kev Walker, as they reveal a day in DJ's life just before his appearance in the film. Um, this sounds quite cool to me. Um, I guess whether I'll get it will depend entirely on what I think of the character based on The Last Jedi, and whether I think he's interesting enough to warrant me buying his comic. But this kind of thing definitely does suggest to me that is not like Benicio del Toro is playing some like super secret Sith or some like dark side force <laughs> user. Seriously, that is such a common theory. Is it still true? I do see it quite often. Yeah. Oh my. Along with DJ is Ezra, which is still oh. depressingly common, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure that's been outright debunked. I don't think so. I think some people are, but definitely not all of them. Which is a bit cringe, but yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at people's theories, that's mean. <laughs> Don't worry, people have laughed at ours. <laughs> oh, that's true. But they've done more than that. So. Yeah, they have, yeah. <laughs> um tried to take the high road though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so this suggests to me like a con artist, someone who's like in the criminal underworld. Like definitely not a force user type person, but who knows? There's definitely no confirmation of any of that either way. That is just my hunch. Like, mm-hmm. would you be interested in this potentially, Kirsty, or do you not really see it? It kind of depends on the movie, like you say, um, mm. and how much it gives us. I'm assuming that his part will be relatively small, but yeah. that's kind of why this extra material exists. Yeah. Fill in the back blanks and give you a sense of his backstory. So if he intrigues me in the film, then yeah, I'll take a look at it. Um, I do think it's interesting that they're calling him is the comic actually going to be called DJ? Because as I understood it from Ryan's comments in Vanity Fair, um, the character wasn't actually going to have a name, but they called him DJ while on set. 
Yeah. Like, so is that actually supposed to be his name? I know in the toys that have come out, he on his hat, he has an arabesque don't join on his hat. Okay. So that's where DJ comes from. Don't join DJ. Um, and yeah, I kind at this stage, I kind of think that is the only name he's going to be known by. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that when Ryan made those comments, he wasn't aware that there was going to be a comic. Like, I don't know how intertwined things are in terms of him knowing about that extra material. Yes. Um, he's probably got enough things to be worrying about. Um, so, yeah, like, we'll just see. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's still to come, but we will find out in due course. Um, right, then the next thing to talk about is that we have some new lines from the film revealed through merchandise. I think these are like sweet dispensers or something. <laughs> it's something really lame. Um, but yeah, there's not much here, but it's worth discussing quickly. So the lines from Luke. What do you know about the Force? How did you find me? I will teach you the ways of the Jedi. Impressive. And then from Ray, it's... We need your help. Check the status. Keep at it. The galaxy may need a legend. Um, for me, the main thing I take away from this is that I'm not sure the line, I will teach you the ways of the Jedi, should be on toys, given that the trailer is all about Luke doesn't really want to teach her, because it clearly shows he does at some point. Obviously, we could reasonably infer that he gives us some kind of training, but that basically confirms it. Like, it's not mm. a huge spoiler, though, because, like you say, it's just logical to infer that. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's reluctant to at some point and then agrees, and then he sees her power and is afraid. That's exactly what I was thinking, to be honest. So I was thinking at first he turns her down in like a misanthropic way, like, oh, go away, I want to be left alone on my island. And then it becomes more about, um, like, oh, okay, this girl, she actually seems quite sweet, sweet and good-hearted, and I can probably help her to help the Resistance if that makes sense. And then maybe that's Mm -hmm. the point at which he says, I will teach you the ways of the Jedi. But then after a bit of training, she starts doing all this creepy superpowered shit. And then he's (laughs) like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he slams the brakes. And that's where things start getting really dark and strange and interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, with this kind of stuff, I'm always like, even with the toys as well, I'm like, how much is it really going to give away? (laughs) All of these seem very generic. Like, oh, the force, the Jedi. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. I am sometimes amazed though by the lines they put on these toys. It's like all the Kylo toys with like dialogue from The Force Awakens. Much of that dialogue came from the interrogation scene. And I remember that confusing people so, so much before The Force Awakens came out. Because people were like, Kylo Ren sounds like he's doing chat up lines. <laughs> yeah, because that's obviously a very different like if he's unmasking and making himself vulnerable in front of Ray, it's very different from the perception that people had in the marketing. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So stuff like "Don't be afraid, I feel it too" was very, very unexpected. I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's everything. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Kirsty? Um, I don't think so. I think yeah. yeah, that's probably been the extent of the news this week. Yeah, there's lots of little things, basically. Um. Oh, we've had Rebels as well, but I I'm, I don't know how much to talk about that because I'm guessing you haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. I, I know I mentioned it to you and you said you didn't think there was a great deal worth talking about there. 
Yeah, like, I enjoyed it. Um, and you get more of an insight into M- Mandalore and Sabine's family and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed the two episodes, but um, I don't know. Once again, it has had very mixed reviews from the fandom at large. Yeah. Like, I think some people, they kind of force themselves to watch Rebels, even if they don't like it, and then they bitch about it. And then the people who love Rebels get very defensive, and it's just this weird back and forth. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to watch it just because it's Star Wars. Like, if you don't like it, don't make yourself watch it. Yeah, exactly, because, like, that's why I don't bother, really. It's like, well, like, from, I haven't liked what I have seen, so why bother? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. It's, so, I know some people are hardcore Rebels fans, and I love listening to their responses to it, and... I get more out of it by listening to those podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Joan Marie, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but for me, like I know that everything that we get is canon, so I, it's not like I discard it if I don't like it or whatever. But for Rebels, because of the format, because it's a cartoon, it's just kind of something I watch when I'm like at home cooking or doing something else. Um, so for me, like I, I won't put it on the level of the films in terms of how much I dissect things and get invested in the arcs and the characters and everything. But I know other people do, and it brings them such joy, and mm. that's lovely to see. Yeah. Um, but it, for me, it's just kind of on the level of like the books. Or, yeah, you know, it's sure. just extra stuff that's there if it, it appeals to you and if you have a connection with the characters. But there's such a backlash to it that I just don't really get. Like if you don't like it, you just you can pretend it doesn't exist because it's not real. <laughs> Yeah, it's very easy to avoid. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, even though I don't watch Rebels, I really do like that it has this extremely passionate and devoted fan base. Like the people who love Rebels seem to love it so, so much. And I think that's lovely, you know, because as long as people out there are getting enjoyment from it, it's a good thing. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah, I watch it and I enjoy it. But um, I I also see why people criticise it as well, because it's not perfect and mm. it's not for everyone. So that's totally fine. Like people exactly. should just chill a bit more and accept that we're not all going to like the same things <laughs> totally am i right to think that by this time next week we should hopefully have the final forces of destiny episodes for the current batch uh yeah i think it was oh i think it's going to be next sunday so ah, okay by the time this our podcast episode comes out yes it will be in, it'll be in the week um but yeah it's eight days from now so cool yeah no, that's good. We can have a discussion about the Forces of Destiny episodes once the final batch is out. So mm-hmm. that is to come in due course. But yeah, enjoy the quiet time, kiddies, because things are about to get very heated, I think. Well, because we're getting the new loot book soon as well, aren't we? We are, yeah. I've already seen some reviews about that floating around. I haven't really read them, though, so I want to read the book myself. Yeah, same. I'm avoiding the reviews just because, yeah, I'm going to read it regardless. So Exactly. Yeah. Um... Right, I think on that note, this is probably a good time to end. I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!